Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Come on, a little louder. Good morning, church. It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? If you're visiting for the first time, I'm, my, my name is Pastor Rick. Um, good, it's good to be in God's house this morning. I love that song. It inspires worship within me. How about you? I was thinking about this morning, we had a little, um, our time, our fellowship this morning, um, myself and a few of the leaders of the church, and we were taking the time to pray this morning. And the one thing that we were most reflecting on was the liberty that we have as God's people to come into this place to worship. Do you know that there are countless nations in this world where they, they are hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Countless nations in this world where Christians do not have the liberty, the fellowship just like this. Christians cannot gather publicly like this to honor their God and their King, their Lord and their Savior. Think of that as you listen to the message that we have this morning um, that has to do with worship. I want to get you to stand if you can. If you can, if you are physically able to stand, we're going to pray right now and we're going to ask God to bless us. <clears throat> we want our hearts and our minds to be in the right place to hear from God this morning. Amen? Listen, I want to submit to you right here, right now, that you're not here to hear from me. Please, get, filter that out of your mind. You're not here from me. To hear from me, you're here to hear from the Lord Himself. God is going to speak to us through His Word. Amen. That's, that's my hope. That's my desire. God is going to. It's an absolute. He is going to speak to us this morning through His Word. The question is, are we sensitive enough this morning? Are we sensitive enough this morning to hear from Him? Is your heart and your mind in the right place this morning? We've been given an opportunity to fellowship with one another. We've done that before the service began. And we've certainly been given the opportunity, thanks to Joey and his worship team, to, to, to actually express our hearts to the Lord in song. What a wonderful privilege it is. But now, this part of the service is actually my favorite. And certainly not because I'm standing up here. It's my favorite because I get to hear from God. How many really want to hear from the Lord this morning? Why don't you bow your heads with me, close your eyes, and worship the Lord in your heart with your prayer toward Him. Don't just simply stand there listening to my words in prayer. I will lead us before the throne of grace in prayer. But guess what? God wants to hear from you as an individual. Speak to God. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. And speak to your God this morning. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you so much for the liberty as we already shared. The liberty that we have, Father God, here in this United States of America. The land of the free. Father, we have the liberty, hallelujah, to gather like this and worship. And we thank you so much for this opportunity. Father, we take the time out right here and right now to ask you to please... Minister to our hearts now through your word. I understand personally, Lord God, that your word is the means by which 
It is the catalyst by which you transform my life into the image of your Son. Father, I want to be more like you today. We want to be more like you today. Therefore, we declare as a family of God, please speak into our lives. Give us ears to hear, Lord, and a heart to understand what your will is for our lives. Father, today we're going to talk about worship. Father, what is it? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Is it just simply coming to church and singing a song or two, greeting one another, going through the religious motions of Sunday ritual? Is that what worship truly is? Father, help us to understand today what worship really is. So that we can engage you in authentic worship. Please have your way in our lives today. These things we pray, giving you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. you may be seated. Are there any visitors with us here this morning? This is your first time here? Ah, Kathy's daughter. What is your name again? Heather. Thank you for joining us here this morning. Can we give a hand to Heather? Amen. She lives in Vegas, but she doesn't know she's already moved. She's already here. She's already here. We're going to find a house for her someplace close by. She said, no. She said, no, the, the Lord's not speaking there. The Lord's not speaking. Anybody else? Is this your first time here? She said, don't, please don't call on me. Please, please don't do that. Becky Martinez. Muchas gracias. Vives por aquí cerca? Corona, is that close? I'm not, I'm new around here. Okay. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Amen. She relocated too. She don't know that. She lives next door now. Here in Norwalk. So, we started a sermon series, a new sermon series last Sunday um, that has to do with worship. And we talked about last week what worship actually is. I'm not going to get into those specifics. You can go online and you can tune into the recorded message on what worship truly is. But as a brief recap, let me just share a couple points with you about it. Last week we talked about that worship is more than just simply coming to God's house. Worship has to do with an intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's about fellowship with God. It's about fellowship with heaven above. Amen, somebody. And I'm thankful that in this house, we as God's people are actually able to come here and actually engage in genuine worship. We know that authentic worship is not necessarily coming to church, but it is a part. It's an extension of my Worship to God. Singing a song of praise to God. Reading a passage from the Word. Sharing a testimony. And the many other things that comprise actually our time here as a family. It, it all has to do with worship. But it's an extension of my experience on the inside. Worship is a disposition on the inside of us. Amen, somebody. So my motivation this morning is simple. My motivation is simple concerning this particular sermon series. I believe that it is time 
for God's people here and everywhere else on the planet, for that matter, in these last days to rise up and genuinely, authentically worship our God in spirit and in truth. So the purpose of this message is to discover more about what that looks like. What does authentic worship look like? And the title that I have for you is simply in spirit and in truth. Turn your Bibles with me, please, to John chapter 4, beginning at verse 20. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 20. And notice how I say the word truth, right? That's how you pronounce it. It's not truth. Who can pronounce truth like that? It's truth as in roof. You got it? Truth. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Call it the Puerto Rican in me or the Philadelphia in me, whatever the case might be. I just, it's truth. John chapter 4, verse 20. Everybody say amen if you have it. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. I got one more verse, but listen to that one again. <clears throat> but the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is the Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing word. Imagine God is seeking for individuals to worship Him in spirit and in truth. i got a couple questions for you this morning as we begin. Is it possible that when we speak of true worship, that we are referring to a particular set time and place? Is it possible that our individual responsibilities toward God concerning our worship, that somehow it is fulfilled when we complete our Sunday service ritual? Not at all, right? So the first, the first point that I have for you, look at verse 20 in your Bible in this one particular text. The first point is titled, Religion Undermines Our Act of Worship. Religion undermines our act of, ver of worship. Verse 20 reads, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Take note of the naturalistic perspective that the Samaritan woman had concerning worship. The verse is, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. 
But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Uh, parenthetically speaking here, when the, when the Samaritan woman says, you say that in Jerusalem, that word you in the original Greek is not singular as in a statement that Jesus Christ was making in particular. It's, it's um, the second... I'm trying to think of it. I want to get it right because I don't have it here in my notes. I'm trying to think of the, 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 the grammar here. It's second party... Plural. I believe that's right. It's plural. In other words, one of your Bibles, I don't have it here in front of me, but there's a version of the Bible that actually reads, you people say. But you people say, which is the correct rendering for that particular word, the use of you in this one particular passage. But note the naturalistic perspective that she has concerning worship. She said, we worship on this mountain, our people for generations have worshipped on this mountain. And you say, you people say that in Jerusalem is where we ought to worship. Her idea of worship was centered around that one particular place. That mountain, wherever it is, she and her people actually worship. And she actually, talking to Jesus Christ, referred to that you people, the Jews, you worship over in Jerusalem, but we worship here. And they gathered regularly in the particular, in the respective places. Look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. It says, you worship what you do not know. That's Jesus Christ response to the Samaritan woman. So he's correcting her, correcting her here, if, if you will. Again, let's reiterate. The Samaritan woman just had a wonderful conversation with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is trying to unpack something in her hearing. Jesus Christ was, was in the process of allowing or rather creating a new and living way for his people to worship God in spirit and in truth. And he spends a, an intimate moment with this woman. He made sure that the, his disciples went off into town so that he can have a private and intimate moment with the Samaritan woman. And he's trying to get to the point of saying to her that true worshipers are required by heaven. By the new and living way. I am here to give you a new worship experience. And the only thing that she could say was that my experience concerning worship is right here on this one particular mountain. And religion as spoken to Jesus Christ from the words of this one Samaritan woman refers to her worship experience on this one particular mountain. And what it actually did was serve to divide because in reality, religion actually only serves to divide us. Did you know that? Religion serves to divide us as God's people. And when we think in terms of religion, if, for example, we come to Sunday service, and this is the extent of our worship to God, then it actually serves to foster a, a set of values or a set of, a, a set of ideals in your mind and mine. 
And whenever somebody, whenever we come in contact with somebody that differs in their opinion of worship, immediately we are going to shun them by default. Because that's what actually religion does. There are a lot of religions on the planet today. You got Muslim, you got Christians, you got Catholics, you got Jehovah's Witnesses, you got Mormons, you got, there, there are all types of religions. Of course, you got the Judeo religion. Um, so many different religions on the planet. And, and, and we are all in conflict with one another because that's what religion is capable of producing in us. Religion divides. It separates. And Jesus Christ knew that, especially when he was having this conversation with the Samaritan woman. He corrected her because he says, you don't know what you're talking about. It's essentially what he says in verse 22. He says, you, don't, you, you have no clue. Woman, pump your brakes because you really don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about religion, and I am here to offer you something new. I'm here to offer you something different. We know what we're talking about because salvation is of the Jews. He, he presents that much, right? He gives that much credit to the Jews, but then he says, but... And he begins with the language of introducing a new form, a worship, or a new religious worship system or experience. But think, of, think in terms of how... We relate with religion here today, 2,000 years removed from that encounter between Jesus Christ and the Samaritan woman. We limit ourselves. We govern ourselves by way of religion too, nowadays as well. Yes, we have our set time for worship and we have to have it as such. And, and, and yes, it's extended throughout a certain period of time and we have to have it. As such. But the million dollar question is, are we governed by these, this, this metric system that we've established for ourselves in terms of worship? Is this what worship truly is? Just gathering together on a Sunday service. Is this what worship really is? No, not so. Let's look into this a little bit. Let's talk about Look at verse 21 with me. Verse 21 reads, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Now, obviously, Jesus Christ was referring to salvation. But think about the mystery that had been prophesied for thousands of years. Think about that mystery. It was probably first uttered by Abraham in a very significant way. And it went on from Abraham to all the major prophets, including all the minor prophets. Everybody talked about the coming season, the coming era, or the coming time in history when Jesus Christ would appear to mankind in physical form... For the purpose of allowing us to experience His tangible presence in our lives. And that was uttered throughout all the pages of the Old Testament. And every single one of those, those prophets of the Lord, 
that actually had the privilege of referring to the indwelling or the new birth experience in Christ Jesus. They all wanted to be a part of this experience. They all longed for it. When I read the Bible and I hear them, and I've read it over and over again, all the prophets longed to be a part of this one particular season that you and I have the privilege of being a part of. This is a wonderful time. Look at, uh, don't, don't look for it, but I'm going to read it to you. Because this is expressed in Romans 16, 25 through 26. But you can write that down. It says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writing by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. This woman had no clue. The only thing that she can refer to in terms of worship was an experience, a traditional experience that she was accustomed to on that one particular real estate that she was standing on. And the only thing that she can say concerning the Jews and their worship experience is that your place is over there and our place is over there, uh, is over here. And essentially a division was constantly being experienced. Listen to Isaiah how he refers to this matter concerning Jesus Christ and the new unfolding experience as Jesus Christ was trying to get her to understand. In Isaiah 61 verse 1 it reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke uttered those words in chapter 4, verses 18 through 19 as well. Can we see how important this point actually is? Religion impedes true worship. Religion impedes true worship because it has to do solely with a particular set time and place. A particular tradition that is emphasized by mankind. This is how we worship as opposed to, this is how God has enabled us in Christ Jesus to actually worship. This point, in fact, is so important that consider Paul the Apostle and his declaration in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Write that down. Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. He says, test yourselves. Or do you not realize that, do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail to meet the test. And I've added, because Christ is not in you. When Jesus Christ, or rather, if Jesus Christ is not a tangible part of our lives, at best, our expression can only be that of religion. We cannot offer one another anything other than religion. We cannot offer God 
anything other than religion if we don't know him personally. Hebrews put it this way. Paul the... No. Won't even go there. But Hebrews 11.6 puts it this way. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you see that religion limits our experience this side of heaven. Faith in Christ Jesus, according to this new and living way, allows us to experience the, the new birth experience. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments. Look at verse 23 concerning our second point. Our Father who art in heaven is the title. Point number two, our Father who art in heaven. Verse 23 reads, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I tried there. You heard that, right? I, I Truth. I tried. Think of our time here this morning. Think of our time here without acknowledging God as the object of our worship. What becomes of us if He is not the object of our worship? What becomes of us as a people? What becomes of, of us concerning this time that we've devoted to coming here every single Sunday if God is not the center of our attention? Who is it that we are serving? It's the point of this point. Our God, our Father, who art in heaven. Now, I want to try to impact this, and I want to take my time. I'm, I'm looking at the clock. But I want you to get this one particular point. I want you to understand this one, because it's important to understand who we worship in order to truly appreciate what worship is really all about. When God called Moses in Exodus chapter 3 to go before Pharaoh concerning the release of his people, Moses asked God, and this is a paraphrase, Whom shall I say has sent me? How many remember that passage? Book of Exodus chapter 3. And God responds this way. He actually speaks his unspoken name. And the English, what we have written in the English language is, I am that I am. It's a verb tense, that name. All the words. It's a verb tense. I am that I am. And it actually means that God is making this wonderful and powerful declaration. Remember, we're talking about worship. We're talking about whom we worship when we come to service on Sunday. And God is declare, declaring Himself to be the Almighty. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He's the eternal one, the self-sufficient one, El Elohim, the one who has no beginning and no end. He is the all-encompassing one. He's the one who possesses all power and all authority. He is our sovereign creator, our sovereign king, our risen savior, the Alpha and the Omega. I mean, the names are endless concerning God. So when I think of worship, when I come to church, can you lower me down a little bit? When I, yeah, just blaring in my own ears, distracting me. I'm distracting me, imagine that. So, <laughs> so when, I, when I think of where, I know some of you are sitting there, man, can you somebody please lower this guy down? Let me see your hand. 
Yeah, right. So when I come to church on Sunday, I have God in my heart and on my mind. This is intimate for me. This is personal for me. And I know that it's personal for many of you here this morning as well. Think about this point and who we are actually serving. We're serving the Almighty God. According to the Bible, He stretched out the heavens like a blanket or like a curtain. He uses the earth as His footstool. He created you and I. Think of the, the majesty or the, 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 the awe and wonder in the human eye, for example. Man doesn't even understand how complex the eye actually really is. Think about the atom, for example. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says that in Him all things consist. And did you know that scientists do not even understand how the atom is actually able to hold itself together. It's that complex. Many scientists, I've read some of it, and scientists believe that the atom or the, the elements of the atom, the electrons and protons and neutrons, should actually explode itself in extreme opposite directions, and they don't understand how it holds itself together the way that it does. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. In Him all things consist. A different version actually reads, And He holds all things together. Think about the human body and how this structure that we had. Let me, with, a, with a show of hands, how many of you ever heard the term laminin? I probably mentioned this once before. Laminin. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Laminin. Do you know what laminin actually is? According to scientists, laminin is a cohesive molecule. Right. A cohesive molecule. It is the rebar of the human body. Without laminin, you and I would be like the blob in Star Wars. We would be just like the blob without any physical structure, without any strength. When you look up laminin under a microscope, it's in the perfect shape of a cross. Because He holds us together. That's the kind of God that we are serving here this morning. This is not about a religious experience. And it ought not to be about a religious experience. Consider Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. This point is our Father who art in heaven. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus Christ was having a conversation with His disciples. And they asked Him, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus Christ gives them a model. He doesn't give them a prayer so that they can vainly repeat over and over again. That's not what Jesus Christ did. He gave them a model. And He begins with our Father who art in heaven. Isaiah declared... I saw the Lord high and lifted up. It's, it's, it's a reference to His majesty. God is my friend, but He is also my God. He's my Lord and my Savior. And He is high and lifted up. He is holy. And therefore, when I approach Him, when you and I approach God, especially when we come to service on Sunday, right? 
when we come into this place, when we file into this place, we need to remember that it's not about us. It's good to fellowship and to socialize, and there's a time and place for that. But I would encourage you that when you come into God's house, leave some of the fellowship for afterwards, and make sure that your heart and mind is finely tuned to, re- to be ready to worship our Lord and Creator. It says, Our Father who art in heaven. There's an attitude that you and I should possess. Remember, we're talking about worship. There's a particular attitude that every child of God should possess when going before God and His presence. And I'm not talking about coming to church only. We're talking about our daily lifestyle because worship is a lifestyle. It's not about a particular time or place it's all the time. When, we, when, you, when you rise up in the morning, make sure that you have this attitude within your heart concerning your heavenly Father. I'm coming before you, Lord, as your son, as your child, and I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Point number three and the last point is simply titled Spirit and in truth. Look at verse 23 and 24 in your passage. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The first thing we need to notice concerning this one particular phrase, spirit and truth, is that it carries with it implications regarding our Christian worship. There are certain implications. Number one, concerning the aspect of spirit. In this one particular verse, it's referring to our born-again experience by way of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's about our freedom and the liberty that we've been able to gain in Christ Jesus. Let me, with a show of hands, how many here this morning actually know Jesus Christ personally? He is your Lord and He is your Savior. Come on, come on. If, you, if you're certain, put, yeah, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Don't, don't give me this. That's not certainty. You're, you're not sure. We have a meeting when you do this like that. Um, Listen, what a wonderful privilege, what a wonderful opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Listen, the, 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 the Bible puts it this way, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And again, that refers to the mystery that was revealed from the very beginning down throughout the ages, the generations, that one day Jesus Christ would die on the cross. That God Himself would manifest Himself in human form for the purpose of dying on the cross. For what? Why? Why did He have to die? Some people say He didn't have to do it. Yes, He did have to do it. He had to do it. He had to do it in the manner in which He did it as well. Study that and you'll see. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there cannot be any forgiveness of sin. Jesus had to shed blood. The way He shed blood. He had to be lifted up as well. It was a sign of actually being cursed by God outside of the camp. 
if you will. What a major experience. And Jesus Christ did it so that you and I can have this opportunity to worship Him in spirit. Romans 6.23 says this. It, it talks about Jesus settling the debt. It says, for the wages or the reward of sin is death. There was a price to pay. And Jesus Christ, by sacrificing Himself, actually settles the debt. In John 1.12, it talks about this wonderful privilege that we've been given to be called children of God. In John 3.3, 3, it talks about the born-again experience and all of these things because of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it talks about the new life that we've been given in Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new Creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Romans 8.14, it talks about this wonderful privilege to be led by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 talks about having this freedom and this liberty. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there is liberty. Awesome what Jesus Christ did for us. This, these are some of the truths concerning what true worship is really all about. Now let's talk about briefly this second aspect to this point. Spirit and in truth. Tim, is truth. This element speaks to the standard by which we are to govern our lives. The standard by which we are to govern our lives, worship, essentially, is not without restrictions. I know, sounds a little controversial. Worship actually happens according to the Word of God. The Word of God is the standard by which I worship my God. I'm not worshiping God according to some tradition. I am not worshiping God according to some Puerto Rican custom or ritual or, or things along those lines. I'm just not doing it. I'm not worshiping God according to the Grace Brethren way or according to the, the traditions of this one particular church. I'm worshiping God according to the standard of the Word of God. The reason why we have so much religion in this world is because many, over a period of thousands of years, have gotten away from the standard of God. Does that make sense? There's a restriction. You do it my way. Jesus Christ put it this way in John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So what about the other religions that say there are multiple ways to get to heaven? What about Oprah Winfrey and her ideologies? She says there are a thousand ways to get to heaven. You can worship God in whatever, in whatever manner you want. How about the recovery community? I've been a part of recovery community teaching Bible study to those who are struggling with drug addiction and alcoholism as well as other addictions. And some say that if you want to consider the doorknob your God, then you can go ahead and consider the doorknob your God. Or a nail, or that reef on that wall, or this ceiling fan. The devil is a liar. 
that's not biblically sound. There is a standard by which you and I are to govern our lives concerning worship. That's what he's talking about here. In spirit and in truth. There was a time, there's a verse, I did not look it up, but some of you when I say this are going to remember. There's a time, there's a verse that actually says that at one point, there was a season when God considered man and he winked at his sin or his religious mannerisms, but no more. In Romans chapter 3 verse 4, God, Paul the Apostle put it this way. He says, let God be true and every man a liar. To the Jews that believed in him, Jesus said, you shall know the truth. John 8, 32, and the truth shall make you free. You see, it's about honoring God according to His Word, according to His standard. It means that you and I cannot do it our own way. Worship has to be done in spirit and in truth. In spirit because He made it possible through His sacrifice. It requires being born Again, in order to truly worship God. Those who are not saved cannot truly worship God. No, not truly. Not so. Those who, those who are practicing other religions, who do not know Jesus, are not worshiping God. It's idle time. It's meaningless time. And those of us who know Jesus personally, who follow the... The script, if you will, of the Word of God are actually able to worship Him in truth because we're following His example. Now, I want to make a note here. Most of us are familiar with John 8.32. And you should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free or make you free. Make free. You probably didn't know this. But the Greek word for make and free in that verse is one and the same. It's the same word for make and free. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it means to deliberate, to liberate, to exempt from moral, ceremonial, or mortal liability. It means to deliver. It means to deliver, I like the part that says, to exempt from moral, ceremonial, or mortal liability. So when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He literally sets us free. He grants us the sound or authentic opportunity to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Without conversion, worship is not possible. I'm going to say that again. Without conversion, worship is not possible. In closing, to be a true worshiper, number one, we must be free from religion. We must be free from the bondage of religion. Call it metrics, call it a systematic, call it a philosophy, an ideology after the traditions of men, no matter what you want to refer to it as. We need to be free from religion in order to truly worship our God. 
Jesus Christ was having an intimate moment with this Samaritan woman. And he was trying to get, get her to understand these points. Eventually she did. And as a result, she ran off. She talked to her family about this encounter. She spoke to them about the Word of God. They had a powerful impact on their lives. And they in turn ran back to Jesus and spent a few days with Him as a result of her encounter with Jesus Christ concerning this subject of true worship. And the same applies to you and I here today. When we truly get it right and come to the conclusion that worship is about our heart's involvement in a personal and intimate relationship with our Lord and our God, that is when God is going to truly begin to make an amazing difference in our lives. How many here want to be different today? How want to be different? You don't want to leave here the way you came in. I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave here the way that I came in. You forgive me for my futile way in trying to lead you in the Word of God. Study it for yourself. Look at it for yourself. Remember the points, the emphasis that Jesus Christ was making in this passage. We need to denounce religion in all of its ways in order to truly be free to honor God. Number two, we must devote ourselves to the Father. We have to acknowledge Him as our heavenly Creator. He's the Almighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, Counselor, Comforter, the Lily of the Valley, etc., etc., etc. Here's someone that we have to acknowledge as our Heavenly Father. He is holy. He is holy and perfectly righteous. Number three, we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because without a personal relationship with Him, we cannot truly worship Him. There have been times in my life, in the past, when I was trying to get things right with God. When I was really trying to understand what the teachers of the Word of God, what the preachers, what the pastors, what the Bible was saying to me when I sat down to read it. I mean, I wrestled with this thing. And here it is, I found out one day that I was merely perpetuating the religious ways of the church council that I was a part of back east. And I was wondering why there wasn't this personal, intimate encounter with God. Yes, I was saved and I knew it. But I was wondering why there were so many restrictions in my life. Why I wasn't truly free to experience Him in my daily life. And I realized one day that I was leading myself according to the religious elements of the church that I was a part of. As a Christian in a Puerto Rican church, primarily Puerto Rican church, we had our customs, we had our traditions, we had our holidays that we acknowledged. We had our meals, we had our set times, things of that nature. And I became extremely acquainted with those things to the point where I was doing those things automatically and I felt ignorantly, of course I wasn't able to put my finger on some of that stuff, but I felt in the end that if I observed those traditions perfectly, then I would honor God. And at the end of the day, when I laid my head down, I was still empty to a degree. 
because religion will always do that to us. I know some of you already knew that and understood that, but there's, there are souls here this morning who govern their lives according to some religious tradition. And you wait for a particular experience, a particular time, for something to happen in order to truly be fulfilled. And when it doesn't happen, we wonder why. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is required. And then lastly, we have to commit ourselves to living life according to God's Word. We have to commit ourselves to living according to the principles of the Word of God. If you truly want to be free to worship, you have to denounce some things in your life. And only you know what those things are. Or you, only you know what drives you, what leads you, what instructs you. And that actually serves to limit your experience with the Lord. The Word of God is the standard. The Word of God is key. How many love the Word of God here this morning? Let me see your hand. Come on. Stand with me. <clears throat> we have a few minutes. Joey, is it possible to sing a song? Can we sing a song? Maybe the, um, that last one. Can we do that last one? Can the, if the worship team is here, can we do that last one? I love that song. Amen. Hallelujah. So, as we actually prepare to go, remember what worship truly is. Rewor worship is about intimacy with our Lord. It's about intimacy with God. Spend time today in God's presence to truly worship Him. Do it in spirit and in truth. Appreciate the salvation that He has blessed you with this morning. And certainly appreciate the standard of the Word of God that actually serves to lead us in true worship. Father, we thank You so much for service here this morning. Father, we thank You for Your presence in our lives. We thank You for the liberty You give us, Lord God, to worship You in spirit and in truth. We thank you first and foremost for saving our souls because without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, where would we be today with regard to this topic of worship? Where would we be with our lives? Thank you for sacrificing yourself, Lord. Thank you for your blood this morning that allows for our sins to be forgiven and I know the blood is still flowing today for somebody here today that perhaps doesn't know you personally. Father, will you touch that one? Will you touch that person here today, Lord, who doesn't know you? Can you help that person today to understand that Jesus is the answer? And certainly that Jesus Christ is the reason for this season. It's not about religion. Help that person to understand, Lord God, that with a simple prayer like, Jesus, I believe that you died. I believe that you were buried and that you rose again for me on the third day. Please forgive my sin and come into my heart. Become my Lord and Savior today, Jesus. I want to be a follower. I want to go to heaven with you someday. Father, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name. You're the reason.
into this theme concerning this Christmas season as well as the Sunday after as well. So come next week, invite a friend. Um, you know, there are a lot of people in our lives that do not normally come to church, but will come to church during the Christmas season or the, the Easter season. You know, you, we can pack this church out and, and, and actually make sure that people are exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you take the time to invite one. Just imagine if all of us brought one person to church next Sunday and the Sunday thereafter, we can fill this church and potentially somebody can come to know Jesus Christ personally. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for coming.